something a little bit different today. A few weeks back, a couple of months ago, something like that. Put out an episode, the audio was bad, but I liked the content. It tackled some ideas that I was into, gave a bit of an explanation of what I was trying to do with my hack and one thing and another. I left it up for seven days, decided I wasn't happy with it. But now I want to re-release it, remastered, cleaned up audio. Still not great, but I want to add. I want to add some ideas. The, the fermentation has continued. The distillation. Is it fermentation or is it distillation? You're asking yourselves. Well, I'm not sure. It's that that <laughs> maturation. <laughs> like you get with a cheese my idea's gone mouldy well spike pit is producing more gas the sugar's turning to alcohol oh boy who remembers well bit of a silly question the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon from the 80s. Yes, indeedy. Well, I've been wondering about that. I like to kick a session off right in the sort of thick of it. And I I always thought that, that cartoon series had an awesome start. What was it? Hey, look! It's a Dungeons and Dragons ride! Wow, neat! Give me a break. So we could do this, we could take that, and that could be your... your dramatic start for a game. Or a campaign. So thinking about it, how would you... how would you tackle this? It's the, it's the classic idea, do you uh, take like the players, turn them into characters in the world like the kids from the cartoon, do you take some kind of kids on bikes type archetype characters, drop them into D&D, I don't know, I don't know, but I like this I like this the dynamism of that start. You've got a quick description. Most people, even if they're not familiar with the idea, they can grasp the concept pretty easily. And I don't know, it just it just presents this 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 nice image, this escape from one world, going into another. It's classic. It's cool, seems like fun. So how would I do it? Well, I think I'd take this spike hack kind of basic 5e with some old school injected into it. Drop characters in the Western land setting, which is something I talk more about in the episode. But that, that's my thinking. I don't know what you make of this. I don't know if it's going to work too well. 
but let's give it a go. Recently, I did a YouTube video talking about old school essentials and what a lovely book it is. And I'd like to get a little bit more use out of it, but I really do like like um, the the engine, really the engine of 5e. I'm not so I'm not so bothered about all the bells and whistles, but the the universal resolution mechanism in there. It is super smooth. Advantage and disadvantage makes it really easy to, to run a game for me. And I've recommended quite often 5e basic rules, the free rules that you can download. And if you just take them, you have got quite a nice little stripped down version. I've made it up into an A5 format book, uh, so it's, it's, it's cost me just the cost of printing, so I've got something there that I can hack around, cut bits out, scrub things out, glue things in, and it gives me a hard document to work on for this idea. And what I want to do is a couple of years back I was playing basic fantasy RPG, which is it's kind of like a a modified basic D&D. It's actually, if you just want a stock set of rules that you either, you've got a load of 5e players and you want to show them something a bit more basic, or you've got some old school kind of uh, players and you want them to, to kind of get a little bit more of a, a modern vibe into the game, that's, that's a good pick, basic fantasy. I've, been, I've got a YouTube video talking about some of my favourite monster books and basic fantasy gets a shout on there. I, um, I want to go back to the campaign world of Morgan's Fort, it's the western lands. Morgan's Fort's like the, the settlement, it's, it's basically like a keep on the borderlands and the western lands is the setting. And it's um, there's not masses to it. it. It's it's got enough. I quite like the way they've done the church and the religion. I've got some ideas about how dwarves work in the setting. And I just I don't know what it is. I quite liked it. I've got my John Carpenter Lost Themes kind of soundtrack. I I, I was running um, Tomb of the Serpent King. Or Tomb of the Serpent Kings. I can never remember whether it's King or Kings. And we had, had great fun with that. Uh, the, um, the dungeon, the, the tomb, is inhabited by these hobgoblins. And I, I really like hobgoblins. They are kind of, kind of like, a little bit like, I play them a little bit like Klingons in the setting. They're kind of, kind of warring fairly uh, lawful and honour bound, they're armed to the teeth with really good equipment and they're quite often, they look a little bit neutral so they sort of go for the highest bidder 
as well. You know, they're, they're, they've, they've got um, a tribal structure, and I, I just like them. And they've taken they've taken occupation in the tomb where the adventurers were previously pillaging. And I'd like to pick pick up the story again, but using basic fifth edition. And the other thing I've been meaning to do for ages is delve a little bit more into some of the optional rules that you get in the the DM's guide, the DMG for 5th edition. And in there, there's some skill variants. So there's one, so you basically take skills out of the game and you replace them with uh, ability checks, similar to how I always used to play basic D&D. So, you know, strength check, roll under your strength, if you you know if you wanted to sneak about maybe the GM or DM would call for a dexterity check something like that but with with the variant rule in the fifth edition you get um, two abilities that you can use your proficiency bonus on so that that would ordinarily be tied to a class so let's say you wanted a rogue you were kind of kind of calling it the thief and you chose your proficiency in dexterity and intelligence. So any of them, any of them sort of tasks or checks, and you would get to add your proficiency bonus, which goes up as you level up. Uh, that does away with sort of some of that, some of the intricacy and subtlety, granularity that you get on a standard core 5e sheet and it makes it feel I think a little bit a, bit, a little bit closer to an older version of the world's most popular role-playing game it, it it hues a little bit closer to that old school essentials vibe as well so I feel I'm, I'm scratching that itch a little bit I'm thinking I might play with an idea of doing race as class come up with a couple of mods. I might just reskin the bard out of the essential rules, call that an elf, and then I might I might do away with a dwarf and make uh, make a hobgoblin or, or, or something a little bit different. I don't know, I'm not sure about races, but I think I want to try and get that races class feel going. Um, what else can I say? The alignment system I might um, I might pinch so I need to have a better look at Beowulf because uh, regular listeners will know that I like the 5e hacks and I like nicking ideas from them so I, I might I might might do something with alignment based on what I've seen in Beowulf you've basically and it ties in really well with the Western land settings because the way they've done a religion there's like an organized church so that could be uh, uh, an alignment called the book then there's neutral and then there's the old ways and that fits in so well without knowing my campaign world you'll have to take my word for it but it fits in so well 
if, if by the way you want to have a look at the Western Lands and what that entails, Morgan's Fort, or any of the basic fantasy stuff, you can go on www.basicfantasy.org and there is so much stuff on there, free PDFs that you can download. And if ever you want to pick up the books, um, you know, they're no thrills, nothing, nothing amazing, but you know, they're only a, 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 well, a couple of three pound, maybe five pound max for one of the bigger books. And you can't argue with it. You, you, you can rip them apart, tear out pages if you want, scribbling them, colouring them, stick stuff in there, just use them like a sketchbook. And um, I think that's I think that's good for you sometimes. If you're super precious about books and you get a bit OCD, like I can with books, uh, this is this is therapy. Get one, just scrawl all in it, um, and that's what I fully intend to do with my copy of uh, Fifth Edition Basic. I'm gonna get right in there, and that'll be fun. Since recording that episode, the my Jungle Gamers has come to a stop. Just can't can't run a game at the moment and haven't really got a lot of time even to develop this idea it's it's all a little bit of a, a theoretical flight of fancy at the moment but I wanted to get it down I, I do I do see these podcasts as a kind of like an audio sketchbook at some time uh, at some points it's it's a mixture of I think of, of, of journaling bit of therapy a way to crash out an idea through talking to yourself (laughs) oh it's insanity but I can't be the only one that does this I've I've heard other podcasters kind of doing it it's somehow by speaking these ideas you're getting them out there and you, you hear your own voice I wonder if I wonder if it's worth trying to figure out a way a cool way to introduce the dungeon master into the game as an NPC or in fact could the dungeon master be a PC in a, a GMless game might have to give that a little bit more thought. And this may this may come as a bit of a bolt out of the blue, but I have I have been wondering about this in connection with procedures. Been wondering about this GM list game a little bit more. I think probably because we're often wanting to put ourselves into one bucket or the other. You know, are, are we a player? Are we a DM? Are we both? Do we prefer one over the other? I subscribe to the we're all basically players camp of thought. But even, even between players, so you could say, yeah, we're all players, you're all sitting down playing a game. 
one person's refereeing and then all the other players kind of get lumped together as, as players. But I think even as players, we naturally take on different roles. So there's something there, I think there's something there to overanalyze. <laughs> oh dear. Now wondering if I got enough sleep last night. Or if I had too much tea. Probably had too much tea. So depending on how a game's set up, there are these different roles. these roles are these roles necessarily static could they be more fluid is that is that interesting is that playable is there some design space there tackled and talks about procedures procedures coming together to make a system how about roles? Our role in the game. That could be as simple as a class. So more of a character role. Or it could be more of a, uh, a player role, a function that you perform as a player that is different to what the other players are doing and clearly everybody sitting at the table is is a different person so whether these are formal roles or not everybody is playing some sort of role probably and it's likely that it's the role of a character and their role as a player. And I don't think I've heard too much talk about this. Characters, yes, players, no. The, the typical one would be you, you get things like the caller and the mapper. Obviously you've got your GM, your, your referee. But I think there are other roles. The person who presses the big red button, the rainmaker. You get the kind of the, the glue, the person that holds things together, the bookkeeper, the note taker, quartermaster. I think these roles exist. And I think, I think there's a conversation to be had. And that, as they say, is a wrap. Big thanks goes out to you, the listener, for taking a bit of time out of your day to listen to Old Spike Pit. Take care, and I'll catch you later.